Good to see you guys. Look at the person next to you and say, you're looking good. Look, about, look back and say, you're looking good too. Now, if it wasn't your wife or husband, say, I'm just saying in the Lord's way, okay? All right? So, so glad you're here. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church. Yes, everything has changed here from what it normally is, even if you're here for your first time. And uh, Dwayne and Renee Corbin, they're with Reality Outreach Ministries. They have been helping us this weekend. Would you guys give them a hand? And uh, we're thankful for them. They came in Friday night, and you're going to see an experience that only God could do over the next few days. And when I met Dwayne, he come in, and I talked to him, and he said, uh, I said, where's your wife? He said, she's raising hell. And I said, what? He said, yes, yeah, she's been raising hell for 30 years. And I thought, what do you mean? He said, she's raising hell in there. That's where she does. She raises hell and puts it together for us. And I thought, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. But anyway, hey, uh, so glad you're here today at Freedom Church. And if it's your first time, thank you for coming on this beautiful fall day. And we're just very thankful for you and everyone that's here. We've been doing this series called I Love My Church. Say, I love my church. You know, and, and I hope and pray, even if it's your first time and you don't have a church family, that you have an opportunity to fall in love with God's church. Because Jesus came for the church, died for the church, went back to heaven, he's back for the church, and one day he's coming back for the, the church, the church. So when we started in this, what we're reviewing is, is our, our vision, our mission, and our values as a church, because it's very important that you have that. So I, we exist, Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God. Say that with me. Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God. That is the great commandment and great commission. So we have five values that scriptural values. The first one is everyone reaching. Say everyone reaching. Basically, we want every human that we can come in contact with to be able to reach up to a God in heaven who created them and they can get their sins forgiven through Jesus Christ who took their place on the cross and get their name written in the Lamb's book of life and then go tell somebody else what you've already been given through Christ. Then the next value we have is everyone growing. Say everyone growing. Once you give your life to Christ, you follow in baptism, you die to who you used to be, you come alive in Christ, and then you start your journey of growth. We believe that every one of us are to learn to become like Jesus. We don't need to be like our old selves, we need to be like Jesus. Then last week, I talked about our third value of everyone serving. Say everyone serving. If you are a Christian, save people, serve. That's what you do. And I want to report that we gave 89 new opportunities for people to come, and I think we almost filled those new opportunities. Give yourself a hand clap of praise, all right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, with that being said, today we are going to move forward to everyone giving. And a lot of people, you know, say that with me, everyone giving. And a lot of people say, oh, pastor, I picked the wrong Sunday to come. Well, listen, let me say this to you right now. I want to say thank you to everyone who gives in this ministry and this church that makes it possible for us to reach people to know God. Can we give him praise today, all right? So, with that being said, we believe that everything belongs to God and that you can't outgive God. You can't do it. Just not possible, okay? So, with that being said, I set it up like this. We know that October is, is when uh, trick-or-treating takes place, and I raised three daughters. 
And, uh, and I, I would always take them trick-or-treating. You know, we didn't do the scary stuff. We just simply, they would dress up like Belle with Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella and those type of people. And we had certain friends and family and grandma and grandpas we go to, and they had the big stuff they would give them. You know what I'm saying? But then, if we went to extra places, I always wanted to take them to where they got the good stuff. I'm talking the Mr. Big Guard, the king-size candy bars and all that kind of stuff. Because I didn't want to waste my time. Listen, hey, listen, when I was a kid, I mean, you got slapped in the face with one of these popcorn balls with corn syrup on it. And I'm thinking, and they would give it to you and wonderful little old ladies that took time to make it. And I'm thinking, huh? But anyway, so we'd take them where to get the good. I remember one time with Chloe, we were going and I, man, I was driving and I, was driving. I said, Chloe, I said, you got any chocolate? And because uh, I was looking, I was hoping Butterfinger's my favorite because Butterfinger's a kind of kind of chocolate bar that you can eat and an hour later you can still taste it in your teeth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's good. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so anyway, well, she said, I, I got some M&M's, Dad. I said, give me some. And she said, no, Dad, they're mine. What you talking about, Willis? Some of you get that, go home and Google it and you figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, and so what Chloe didn't understand is I was the one driving the car that took her to get the M&M's. What she didn't understand was I could forcibly take the M&M's away from her, Right? And what she didn't understand in the essence of it, I could take her to the store and buy so many M&Ms and rain them down on her that when she tried to, couldn't even eat them all, she'd have a bellyache. Think about that. And you say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? We all have M&Ms. Some people have got big piles of M&Ms. Some people got medium piles of M&Ms. Some people's got little piles of M&Ms. And here's what I say. God, our loving Father, says to us, Will you give me some M&M's? You say, what do you mean, Pastor? What is our first reaction when God says, can you give me some M&M's? Our first reaction is, no, they're mine. They're mine. God says, bring me some M&M's. You know, I, I own those M&M's. You know, they're mine. I own these. Bring me some. I made them. And God says, and basically saying, hey, you don't understand. I could take your M&M's if I wanted to. Or God says, I could rain down so many M&Ms on you, you couldn't enjoy them all, eat them all, or do anything with them. Because that's God. God is the giver of all things. And I love the verse that personifies who he is. The most famous verse that people quote is John 3, 16. You see it on signs at ball games and things like that, and it's just amazing. But uh, look at what it says. For God loved the world so much, say so much. That he gave his one and only son, say one and only son, so that everyone, say everyone, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Why is it so hard to take on the giving nature of God? You know why? Because all of us as human beings are naturally born selfish. But when we take on God's nature and we become givers, that's when we're never more like God. And God didn't just give us something that was just a little bit. God gave us his best. He gave us his one and only son. Everybody say, wow. wow. That's what he did for you and me. Now, a lot of times when a preacher starts talking about money, people get weirded out. And you're thinking, man, honey, I wish we came another Sunday. I don't like this. It gets a little weird, don't it? Well, you know why it gets a little weird? 
is because probably there's a situation where that you're really suspicious of the truth. You say, what do you mean, pastor? Pastors have become gun-shy to teach the truth, especially when it comes to giving, when it's in the Word of God. And as your pastor, listen to me. I have nothing to gain, nothing to lose. I have nothing to prove whatsoever. However, my sole purpose is to teach you the truth from the Word of God so you can become a generous giver like our great God that created you and I and gave us breath of life in a heartbeat. I hope you understand that. So let me say this. I want to say right out of the gate that I am so sorry if you have had a bad experience about giving or you've had a bad experience from a church or from somebody or something like that. And and here's what I want you to know. It has not been talked about enough in church. And you know what? If I don't talk about it, I will have to answer for not sharing the full counsel of God's word. So here's what I'm going to promise you. I promise you, if you'll not connect me to those bad experiences, you'll not connect me to the crowd of people that run down churches because they talk about giving, if you'll not connect me to TV preachers that are greedy and our hand is out all the time, or you connect me with those kind of things, I promise I will teach you the truth of what God wants for your life and teach it from the Word of God. Can I get that today, church? Can I get that? Look at this little nugget verse in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 8 in the Old Testament. It says, but generous people plan, say plan, to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. Let me ask this question. How many of you want to be known as a generous person? Raise your hand. I know I do. I want to be known as a generous person. I don't want to be known as stingy. I don't want to be known as selfish. Because how many of you have ever known a selfish person? Raise your hand. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, guess who you are? right? But think about it. Man, nobody wants to be known. How many of you just really, you know what? I want to be like God. Raise your hand. I want to be like God. I believe that or you wouldn't be here today. And I truly believe that about each and every one of you. What we're going to do, when you go back and you look at Malachi, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament before you get to Matthew. Well, there's a 400-year period. There was a dark period where God wouldn't, you know, everybody didn't really couldn't get to God. It was just like a, a time that God was silent. But during the time that Malachi was sent to God's people, they were, the people of God were arguing with Malachi. They were arguing with Malachi about God's love. They were arguing with Malachi about God's name. They were arguing with Malachi about God's teaching. They were arguing with Malachi about marriage and divorce. They were arguing with God about the justice of God, about the giving of God, about the, the serving God. And let me tell you this and understand what I'm going to say. People who argue with God rarely experience the blessings of God. I hope you understand what I'm saying with that. Now, when we look in what it's saying here in Malachi, Malachi in chapter 1 here, he's talking from the perspective of God, the Lord of heaven's armies says to the priests, he says to the sons here and these fathers, he said, and to the servants, he says, your servants, they don't really respect their master. I am your father and your master. And why and where are you to honor? And where is the respect do I deserve in this, in this moment? You have shown contempt for my name is what he's saying here. But they're saying, but you, you, you're asking me and saying, how have I ever shown contempt for your name verse 7 says 
You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying, the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. Now, it's not by their words, but but it was by their selfish actions that this was taking place. It says in verse 8, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? It says, and isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Basically, the priests were allowing people to offer blind, crippled, diseased, three-legged, one-eyed animals called lucky to God. That's what they were doing. And so God is accusing them here of dishonoring him and offering imperfect sacrifices. And God was greatly displeased. If we give God anything that's left over, we are repeating the same sin as these worshipers here. They are doing this in the name of the Lord. Now, what we give God, listen to this, reflects our true attitude toward God who gives us breath and gives us life. Instead of giving their best, they were giving their worst sacrifices and their leftovers. They were unwilling worshipers and they were unwilling givers. Now in their prosperity, here's what's, here's what's crazy. In their prosperity, they resented what God wanted from them. He wanted their very best, not they're leftovers. So they had lost their focus on God and they had got lost in self. You know what happens when you get lost in self? There's three little letters that goes on the end of it called ish. Everybody say ish. You become self-ish when you get lost in yourself. It's one thing to get lost in the Lord. Another thing you get lost in yourself. Instead of in that loving relationship with God, your maker, your creator. <laughs> Let me ask this. How many of you here are in love? In love. Raise, boy, you, you men are so slow raising your hand. I would hate to go home with your wife today. It would not look good and be good for you, okay? But man, I remember when I fell in love with Shanda. We've been married 34 years. I'm still in love more than I am ever with my wife today. Man, I married up and I ain't climb, I ain't been able to climb up there yet. But anyway... Um, when I fell in love, it was rabbit love. You say, well, what do you mean rabbit love? I spent everything I had on that girl. You could pull my pockets out and I look like a rabbit. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have nothing left, you know. But anyway, when I married her, I didn't want to just tell her I love her, which I did. I wanted to prove to her that I loved her with all my heart. I wanted to keep my focus on her. I wanted to continually prove to her that she's the love of my life. I'm not just telling her. I'm proving it to her that I'm going to be her provider. I'm going to be her protector. I'm going to give her love, and, and I'm going to give her compassion, and I'm going to serve her any way that I could do that to relinquish any doubt in her mind that she's my everything. And that's the exact love that God the Father wants you to have with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Whatever you can do, God can't be first place in your life if all your M&Ms that God gives you, no matter the quantity, is first place in your life. You'll serve one master or the other God or mammon, which represents money. Look at John's gospel in the first chapter in the New Testament in verse 16. From his abundance, talking about Jesus, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. That's what we get. 
So when you look at blessings, blessings is to be on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. The intangible is the peace, love, and joy, and tranquility of your soul. When you think about the tangible things, it's all the M&M stuff that God blesses you with in your life to be able to have in your life. God is for you. God is not against you. He wants to bless your life immensely. But you've got to understand moving from being that consuming mindset, that selfish mindset, and step into the contributor mindset to where that you're a person that says, you know what, God, I've got to understand that I manage what you give me. But people can't get and understand the difference between management and ownership. They get all messed up on that. When you think about God, God, our Father in heaven, God, He is our blesser okay that's who he is now whenever you think about God being our blesser all right when you look at you and I here just say us all of us here all of us here in our lives we are the ones that are blessed say blessed so when you think about the blessings of God, how do you be a blessing for God? How do you and I get in to be able to receive the tangible and intangible favor of God? There's two things. We receive the supernatural favor of God first and foremost. He loved us so much that he gave his one, his one and only son. He comes down the stairway of heaven. He puts on skin. He's tempted in all the ways that you and I are tempted, but yet he never sinned. And he goes to the cross. He takes our place on the cross. He becomes sin for our sinfulness. And then when you believe that and you receive that, that is when you're born again. Your name is in the book in heaven, but it does not stop there. Look at the person next to you and say, it does not stop there. When we receive Jesus Christ, we do something. We reflect the nature and the character of the blesser. That's what we're going to do in our lives. And the first words when you think about that is that I've got to get the word manager in my mind, not owner in my mind, because we don't own anything. When you look at the first word God said to human beings, and you look at it, and he said to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, he said, manage my garden. That's what he said. How many landscapers are in the house? Raise your hand. We had a bunch in the last service. Yes. If you're a landscaper, you got the first professional job from the scripture. Yes, you did to be a landscaper. So here's where we're at. He's saying, take care of the land. Take care of what I've given you. Now, but here's where we're at today. You see people today they are living in what i call the land of ing you say say land of ing everybody you say well what's the land of ing well it's real simple people are into owning <laughs> they are into earning <laughs> they are into shopping yeah, they are, they are into housing. And I could go on and on and on, ka-ching, ka-ching, bling, okay? So, what God wants us to be able to, to get, God wants to move you from the land of ing to be able to do something, put a super on your natural. You say, what do you mean by that? Basically, God wants to take his bless right here, and God wants to put his bless on your ing so that you can become what? A what? 
That's what he wants us to do as his people is to become a blessing. So how many of you wants all the blessings that God can shower down on your life? Raise your hand. Yes, yes. Let's give him praise because that's what he does. That's what he does. Now, there's three groups of people in this house today. Three groups of people probably watching online. And I want to talk to all three groups. You say, well, what's the first group? Non-givers. Non-givers say, wow, never thought about that, Pastor. You know, did you know that last month in the U.S., only 53% of Christ's followers gave something to their church? The rest did not honor God. They didn't prove their love for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the thing about it is they end up, those people that don't do anything, they take credit for the goodness of God and say, God's been so good to me in my life. And that pride is rising up and it says, look at me, how great I am. Look at all of my M&Ms, man. I am so blessed in my life. That's what pride says. But pride is going to make you end up being really miserable because what you do in that prideful state, you connect your self-worth with your M&M net worth. So what's God's solution to the ride of pride? You've got to know God as the provider and the owner because all the M&Ms come from God. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. So all material blessings all financial blessings, all M&Ms belong to God. And we are managers, we're not owners. And understand how we use it deter- these M&Ms and all this financial blessing determines where our heart is in our lives. So the challenge is to a non-giver, give something, start somewhere, do that. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says, for the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. See, that love of money can lead to evil in your life. And our perspective about money can get warped and it can end up messing up our lives. You prove your love to God and he will prove his love to you when you start giving something. If, 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 it's not, if you're not doing something, you just simply start somewhere. Another group of people is convenient givers. The convenient givers are the ones that they have a good relationship. What they have in their pocket has a good relationship with them. The church knows Abraham Lincoln and Hamilton and, and, and George very well in their life. They're the convenient giver. And here's what I want you to know. It's whatever the smallest bill in their pocket is. <laughs> in Malachi chapter 1, the Israelites were at least giving something. They cared a little bit about their image. They at least gave leftovers. So the question is... Would God accept a poor sacrifice? Sure he would. If you're poor, he'd be glad to accept that. But they held their best for themselves while giving God the worst that they had. And the question is, are you guilty of that? Ask yourself that question. You say, Pastor, you don't understand, man. Look at the economy. Groceries are twice as high as they used to be. Gas, I can't hardly keep it in my tank. Interest rates is off the chain. I can't buy a house right now. On and on and on and on and on. And so God will understand. You know what God understands? 
God understands when you don't trust him in your life in the area of your finances. That's what God understands. Think about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says in the message, I love it, it says, remember, everybody say remember. A stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. Give and it will be given unto you. How many, anybody here do gardening? Raise your hand, You're gar- you do gardening. Yeah, so let's just imagine that I'm going to plant a garden for a moment, okay? All right, I go over here and I get my seeds. Let me see, man, here I got some seeds here, but let me just get two seeds. Here we go. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, give me that lavish crop, Lord. Give me that lavish crop. Bring rain, Lord. Yes. But the other one over here says, you know what, God? God, I want to do something amazing here. Let me get some seed going here. Yes, 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 yes. Lord, I'm depending on you, Lord. The rain's going to come down. So let me ask you a question. This is common sense. Is this crop over here going to bear more, or is this crop over here? Which crop is this crop here? Right? That's one, because that's the lavish crop. And that's what God wants to do in your life. So the challenge is, is proportionate giving. You've got a proportionate giving. Malachi 3 and 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. It says bring. Why does it say bring and not give? You ever thought about that? Interesting question. Because what he's saying is, is to bring the tithe, the tithe, this 10%. You're bringing it. What you've got to understand is that you don't give God anything until you go above the tithe. I hope you get that. Now, what does it say It's going to happen? It says, if you do, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. How many of you want God to open up the windows of heaven? Raise your hand on your life. This is the recipe. This is what God is saying here. I will open up the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great. Say, so great. You won't have enough room to take it in. Here comes the part that people stop at. Try it. Put me to the test. It's the only place in Scripture that God tells his created to test him, the creator. So the threshold of giving is 10%. We don't give God anything until we get beyond that. So instead of convenient giving, how about start at least and say, I'm going to go to 4% or 5% or 7% or whatever, own up to 10 Something I did as my girls were growing up from when I could big enough to communicate with them, I would take a dollar and a dime and I would teach them that if you get a dollar, you bring God a dime, okay? And I taught them that. One time years ago in the old building over here, and before we built this beautiful sanctuary here, I got these bags when I was teaching on this and I handed everybody a dime bag. Now the problem is with that, People were saying, Pastor T's handing out dime bags, and the church began to grow and flourish, and people coming in, and they're thinking, wow. <laughs> Some of you wondering, what's a dime? How many of you know what I'm talking about, referring to about a dime bag? Raise your hand. Look at all, keep your hand up. Keep your hand, look at all the dope smokers in the room. <laughs> wow. In the name of Jesus, uh, smoking, uh, talking. Uh. But anyway, <laughs> well, i got to move on. <laughs> this is not good. God's blessings on my kids' lives are great, and I've watched them be a blessing and being a blessing back for God. Listen to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2 suggests 
proportionate giving as God has prospered you. Look what it says. Every, on every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Paul is teaching here generous, graceful giving. And if you'll go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, you will see that that giving is certainly above and beyond the 10%. So if believers in the Old Testament were under the covenant and they were bringing the tithe, how could we as Christians under this wonderful grace covenant give anything less? Think about that for a moment. And people say, well, pastor... Tithing's Old Testament. Tithing's Old Testament. Well, before you say that, out of ignorance, means you just don't know. doesn't mean you're, everybody's ignorant. There's something everybody don't know. That's all of us, okay? You understand? That's what you say about ignorance. means not knowing. Jesus was having a conversation with the Pharisees in chapter 11, verse 42. And look what it says. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore justice and the love of God. Jesus said, you should tithe, yes. Say those four words. You should tithe, yes. But he told them, do not do not neglect the more important things. And that's what they were doing. Luke recorded this, and then Matthew recorded it as well in chapter 23 and verse, tw- and verse 23. So if Jesus said this once, my Savior, who saved my soul from sin, if he said it once, that's good enough for me. How about you? Think about that. So the, so the next giver, the last one, is really is faithful tithers. It's faithful tithers. These are the people here, when they come to write their check, they believe in it so much. If their tithe is, is $79.21, man, they get it down, man. They get it down because they are faithful to the tithing. But what I'm talking about here is, is understanding about you moving into the realm of Holy Spirit giving above and beyond. So the challenge is, is to give above and beyond. When we first started this church almost 22 years ago, we're on 15 acres of land here, and we did a building campaign. If you're not familiar with the building campaign, there's a couple of scriptures in the Bible, and, and it tells about it. It's not something that somebody thought up. It's just what you do about the above, above and beyond. But Shannon and I were praying about what we would do. And we came together. We both prayed. And the amount of above and beyond our tithe, we come together, and it was amazing how the Holy Spirit worked. We both said the same number which was what we didn't have. And you know what? God done a miracle in our lives through that year. And I could go on for 30 minutes and tell you the details, but that's irrelevant. The point of it was, when we did our taxes at the end of that year, you know how much money that we had given to God throughout that year? 33% of what God brought through us. And man, see it jingle? I never missed a meal. Because we trusted God, not in the natural, but in the supernatural favor of God. Because we moved from being blessed into being a blessing. And we were on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. That's moving into the realm of Holy Spirit giving, knowing you can never outgive God. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then, say then, he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with merlot. 
that's, that's, if you're Baptist, that's not for you, okay? It says good wine, okay? But if you don't honor God, listen to me, with your wealth, then what does that say about your heart for God to take care of his church, to put on an amazing production to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to see chains fall off the addicted, to see the marriages that's holding on by threads come back together, to see the people that's broken and lonely, then break the bondage of depression and be able to break the bondage of those that are hurting in this world. What does that say about us if we don't have a heart for God? Think about your own salvation. Think about the price that was paid that you got to experience, his saving grace. Does it reflect that you've honored God with your very best in what you're doing? So my bottom line to it is, which category are you in? But the better question is, which category do you want to be in? I challenge you in this, be in the category that God knows that you are giving your first and your best in everything you produce. And what that means is you're going to the next level. Look at the second letter in Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. It says, since you excel, he's saying here to the Corinthians, which is applicable to us, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. See, the Corinthians believed and excelled in everything. However, Paul is telling them, you need to excel in this grace, gracious giving. And too often, here's where we're at. Listen to me, this is where the church is as a whole. Because only about 3 to 5% of people in the U.S. actually are Christians, crosswalkers actually tied. But the stewardship of money is given a different status than all the other aspects of spiritual disciplines. True growth and maturity in Christ, including growing in Christ and the mature use of all of the M&Ms and all of the resources that you have. So our giving needs to go to the next level. And here's what I'll tell you. God can give you the desire if your heart desires him. He can, enta- he can enable you to increase your capacity to give at the next level. And here's, let me say this right now. To go to the next level, listen, if you don't want to give here, I want you to be blessed so bad in your family. I want you to experience what it's like to enter into the life of blessing that go give it somewhere else. Go give it to another church. You say, well, that that don't even sound normal. No, I I want you to be blessed that bad because you know what I saw God do in, in 22 years of this ministry when we started this church? God has always taken care of Freedom Church. With or without non-givers, those convenient givers that just does it when they want to. God's going to take care of us. But I want you to be that person that gets on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God that you really experience his blessings. So don't miss this wonderful opportunity. This is an opportunity for growth that so many people don't grow in. I don't want you to miss out on any blessings of God. How many of you say, I do not want to miss out on any blessings of God? Raise your hand. Don't want to miss it. I know that. Maybe you've wondered why that you've always had financial problems. Some people don't even realize that. Have you ever had God in your finances think about that have you ever given him the first and the best do you give him the best or is it leftovers or is it disease stuff 
or is it nothing at all? Look at Psalm 119 and verse 58. With all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful as you promised. How many of you truly would pray that prayer and say, God, with all your heart, I want your blessings. Just close your eyes right now and just tell God, with all my heart, God, I want your blessings. Be merciful to me, God, as you promise. See, as you're praying and you're seeking God, it's all about proper alignment. You just tell God, with all my heart, God, I want your blessings. God, we owe nothing, God. It's all yours. God, I pray, God, for everyone here that all of us will be better managers of your stuff, God. God, so many people today, this is a part and a, and a point of spiritual growth that few get. Just tell God, God, I want to give back to you, God. The first and best of everything. It's your house, your cars, and clothes, and, and money, and all of that stuff. It's all yours. I just, What's it going to take, church? What will it take to get those blessings? It will take putting God to the test for his best. As we continue praying, how many of you here have put God to the test when it comes for his best in tithing, and you have been getting your socks blessed off ever since because you tithe? Raise your hand all across the auditorium. Just lift your hand real high, real high, real high, real high. Thank you, and God bless you. For those of you that didn't raise your hand and you want God's blessings, here's where it's at. We go back to Malachi 3.10, and when God said, try it, put me to the test. Try it, put me to the test. Something we started about 15 years ago, we call it a 90-day tithe challenge. And what that is is where that if you want to take a 90-day tie challenge and you put it on the back of your card, put your name on it, give, give an email, I'll follow up with you and, and email with you personally and encourage you. But if you take that test off the top and you start giving and our finance team has record of that, at the end of 90 days, if you feel that you are worse off than the 90 days previous and they have record of it, you come to the finance team and, and they have record of what you've given. You say, I'm worse off. I started this. It's not working. They will write you a check back for the 100% of what you gave. But you know what's ironic? In 15 years, no one has come back and said, I want it back because they moved into the area of blessings in their life. They started receiving the tangible and intangible favor of God and that is my heart for each and every one of you. Would you just stand right now? Father, as we continue praying, God, Lord, for these that might want to take that challenge, God, bless them right now. God, your blessings are on everyone, when, especially when we put you to the test. And God, in return, God, may we become a blessing for you, a blessing for our church, for the vision that we have to reach lost people who need Jesus. Bless each one, God, that will go to the next level, whatever that may be. God, I pray a special prayer for those that are hurting financially right now, that maybe needs a job or needs a place to stay. or God, maybe they're hurting and they're, they need a spiritual boost to trust you, God, and to, and to be able to, those for even to bring and to give back what's already yours. Help them to trust you, God, and see you move in their life.
and go to the next level in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and whatever reason you know right now, God has touched your heart through the moving of the Holy Spirit and you need Jesus and you know you do. He's knocking on your heart right where you stand right now and it is your moment in this time in history that it is not by chance that you're here, you're here because God brought you here. And if that's you today and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, that's you. He's put his finger on your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. So right now, if that's you and you know you need to ask him to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins, to make him Lord of your life, just simply just, simply just raise your hand up and say, I feel the touch of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? God bless you. I see that hand, my friend, over on my left. Anyone else? God bless you. I see that hand back there. Anyone else? Anyone else? I, I, just lift your hand high so I can see four of you have already lifted your hand. I see your hand right there, friend, right there in the middle. God bless you. I see the other hand back there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I see that hand back there in the back. God bless you. That, that's, that's eight hands already in this service. Anyone else? He laid his life down for you. He laid his life down for you. So in this precious moment, all you got to do is make an altar of your heart right where you're at and just tell him, say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life today. I don't want to live my way any longer. I believe it's you. Tell him, I believe it's you that's, that's knocked on my heart, so I want you to come in. And just tell him, Lord, you're going to see things in my life that I'm not proud of. So I believe you came for me and you died for those things so I could be forgiven of those things. So I ask him right now, say, Lord Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Please forgive me of the things I've done wrong. Save me. My life is yours. You know what's happening in this moment? If you've done it and you've been convicted, that loving conviction is turned into the peace that passes all understanding. And right in your heart, you feel a peace unlike you've ever felt in the entirety of your life. And if you will just thank Jesus for that right now, he's going to give you the power of his Holy Spirit that you're no longer alone. You've caused a party in heaven. Angels are rejoicing. Can we get happy in the place today, church? Can we get happy in the house today for what Jesus is doing? Glory be to your holy name. Glory be to your holy name. Glory be to your holy name. Let's worship church. Let's worship church. Let's worship church. Come on now.